You're listening to the Flow Theory Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to the Flow Theory Podcast. Former Virginia football cavalier, Tim Smith, who also happens to be a Virginia high school football legend. Tim set the Southampton Road single season record for receiving yards, 1,687 yards in one season. Also had 24 touchdowns in 2008 for Oscar Smith. Absolutely ridiculous season, which, by the way, he topped off with six catches for 224 yards and four TDs in the state championship game for Oscar Smith. Absolutely ridiculous. And in 2013, he finished his career at Virginia ranked ninth in all-time receiving yards with 1,591 receiving yards in 2013. It's probably dropped a little bit since then. You're probably somewhere in the top 15, but still definitely one of the best deep threats in Virginia football history. Tim, thanks so much for coming on the show, my man. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sounds good, my man. We'll get right down into it, Tim. One of the things I really like talking to all the guys about and big reason I started this podcast was to talk to athletes about their moments of flow and being in the zone. Uh, Mike Vick in his 30 for 30 documentary, he talks about moments where uh, there was a moment where every guy was moving in slow motion, even though the play was really running at full speed. Talk to me about uh, were there moments like that for you, either in your Virginia career, high school career, or in the pros? Yeah, absolutely. I think that comes, you know, with a a comfort level of knowing what you're doing. One, as a player, you always play faster when you understand the game. You understand everything that's going on around you. So there were quite a few times, and probably the slowest moment I had was uh, when we played Florida State. In 2011, I had a big catch down the middle. It just played out exactly how we tested it and how we practiced it, which doesn't happen all the time. But when it do, it's like, okay, well, I've seen this play out four times already this week. And just to see it play out the exact same way in a game, you know, that amazes me sometimes. Definitely as a player and same as a coach now. Yeah. Um, talk, talk to me about that Florida State game a little bit, Tim. That was, that was such an epic drive. And, uh, that that final drive and that catch you had across the middle was honestly one of my favorite catches that you had in your career. You definitely made some more acrobatic catches than that one in your career, but that one was just so pivotal because the way Rocco fired that on the money across the middle on the road against Florida State, the first time Cavaliers ever beat Florida State on the road. Just a, a hard-stopping victory. I told Chris Bird, I almost had a stroke after that game, and I'm sure th- you guys probably did on the sidelines and the rest of Virginia fans across the country as well. <laughs> no, absolutely, man. What a lot of people don't know, that was probably 
the most exciting, biggest atmosphere game I played in in college, period. And at the beginning of the game, I always wore my visor. And I dropped the first pass that I literally could not see. Like, the way the lights were setting, it was a hitch route on our sideline. The coach was like, hey, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. Hey, I need to take the visor off after that. And, you know, we, we got right to it. But, you know, it was definitely a different feeling, man, even – you know, just getting into the locker room, you can hear everybody over top of your head. They have, like, a perfect little setup. So, the walls are thin in that locker room. So, you know, even before we even took the field, you know, it was one of those feelings that, you know, this was a big-time game. And uh, leading up to that last drive, man, it was just literally all all the specialty plays that we had on our script week by week, they never – all hit at the same time. And that was probably the only game that each one of those plays hit. Even the the Perry Jones catch down, the, the willing up the sideline, you know, everything was just clicking to a point where, you know, I was kind of amazed on, you know, how the whole setup went. And I always was, you know, a Bill Laser guy, so I trusted him wholeheartedly. And, you know, that helped build our confidence even more. And that drive, you know, it was basically me against the, the middle linebacker, and that's what Coach said all week. You know, two high safeties. He's gonna be dropping Tampa two. You just gotta beat him. And you know, as a receiver, once I get lined up, I look at my matchups. I'm like, man, there's no way he's running with me. You know, I'm not sure how big it was, but you know, probably two thirty, two forty mismatch. And um, you know, Rocco made a perfect throw. I had to you know turn a little bit to make the catch, but you know, it was definitely much needed. And you know, it kept the drive going and kind of sealed it for us. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about, like, your guys' mindset in the huddle before that final drive, Tim. Were you just – you guys just like, we got this, boys, you know? Like, was there any sort of yep. speech that Rocco gave in the huddle? Be like, we're winning this. Hey, it, it wasn't – you know, that year I feel like we were such on the same page in the huddle with all 11 there wasn't too many rah-rah pieces. It was like, fellas, you know what we got to do, let's go. You know, and, you know, having those older guys in the huddle with Chris Bird, you know, that always, you know, mentored me as my playing career, I already knew what time was. And, you know, leading up to that game, you know, we was clocking win after win. So, you know, we were confident. Uh, it was a couple of plays in the game where we knew that it was going to come down to us, even the Chase Minifield. You know, catching, uh, I can't think of the name. Burt, of the Burt Reed. The, Burt Reed. We had caught Reed at the two-yard line, and then we had to, you know, stop them. It was just it was stuff like that that happens in the game where you know this is our game, you know. So when it came out to the last drive and the ball was in our hands, we knew we had to do. So it was a quiet huddle. We just all looked at each other. Let's go. <laughs> and, you know, that's what we did, man. And it was exciting. And at the end of the game, all the – field goal misses and all, all that stuff when it got a little hectic. But, you know, that last drive, man, it was amazing. Yeah, the, the field goals at the end were just so chaotic, man. Like, there was – there was the one field goal, and th- and then they redid it. And I- I'll never forget when that kick went over the upright. I-, I got so pissed because I thought for sure it was in because it went right yeah. over the upright. And I was like, oh, my mm-hmm. God. I felt like someone shot my dog. And then the refs, the refs signaled no good. I just couldn't even believe it, man. I was just in such a state of shock. That was undoubtedly one of the wildest finishes to a Virginia football game I'll ever see in my life. 
Man, absolutely. I was probably one of, after the first one, I was probably one of the first players to run off the field. Like, they had to come get me out of the locker room. I'm like, man, we're going back to Virginia with this win. <laughs> and then we came back, and they had to kick it in. I'm like, man, listen, I don't know what's going on right now, but <laughs> I was already on cloud nine at that point after that drive. So, yeah, man, it, it was absolutely crazy. Because... You know, Dustin Hopkins, I mean, that that Florida State team was a was a really, really good team. And, you know, E.J. Manuel, I'll, I'll say this to anyone, E.J. Manuel was really, his whole career, quite honestly, was one of the more overrated quarterbacks I've ever seen. I mean, he, he had trouble throwing the ball and completing passes. E.J. is a super nice guy. No knocks on E.J. Manuel's character. I think if you want a CEO in your company, E.J. Manuel is your guy. But as a quarterback in the National Football League, I was I was shocked that he got drafted in the first round in the NFL draft. But quarterbacks in the NFL draft continue to get overdrafted as evidenced by a guy like Justin Herbert this year. So um, it happens. But, um, yeah, I, you guys played just an incredible game to stick with it. And I knew once Perry Jones caught that TD in, in the side of the end zone with the safety and, and the linebacker converging at the same time, man, I was just like, the boys are coming to play tonight. And absolutely, just, just had a great feeling about that game. Um, talk to me about the 2011 game uh, at Maryland. You had five catches for over a hundred yards. Chris Bird had over a hundred receiving yards. Crazy stat about this game. You guys were the first Virginia football receiving duo with over a hundred yards in the same game since Terrence Wilkins and Kevin Coffey did it in 1998 against Virginia Tech. <laughs> yeah, so that that game, man, uh, coming into college, you know, getting a, as a young guy from Virginia, Chris Bird was always, always looked up to him. He was a mentor. And we were like the same caliber guys, even down to play style. Like we were both aggressive. You see us down there blocking DNs, cracking, you know, linebackers. We were like the same, and that was always a mentality. Went into every game with it. Hey, let's kill them with me and you. Let's get to it. So that game was amazing, man. We started off hot. I want to say Perry started off with that long touchdown. And after that, we were just throwing the ball around, man. It got a field day. And, you know, that was one of the games where that's close to home for me, you know, being from Virginia. So, I had a lot of my family. I want to say I might have like 15 tickets that game as minimum. And uh, one of my closest friends that also played with me, Oscar Smith, Kerry Boykins, he went to Maryland. So we kind of had, you know, a little competition going before the game even started. Like, man, listen, it's either I'm going to get it or you're going to get it. He actually had 100-some yards too. So it was kind of a good game for the both of us. But that was just one of those instances where I look back like, man, when we were clicking and rolling, man, we were we were doing it for sure. Yeah, I think the offensive line that year was easily the best offensive line of this decade for uh, Virginia football. That 2011 offensive line, um, such a such a talented group, tackle to tackle with so much experience. 
And the second they started clicking, I feel like everything else just kind of fell in place. Absolutely, pretty much. Uh, I was talking to Chris Bird about that this past weekend, and I was like, man, that's probably one thing that people do not talk about is that offensive line that we had that year. Like, even me just going into the huddle and looking around at everybody, standing 6'4", 6'5", I'm like, yeah, I feel protected, <laughs> you know? So, you down to, you know, small things like that, man, tackle to tackle. I want to say that year, pretty much everybody ended up in the NFL, give or take one guy. Absolutely, dude. And um, I just remember, like, God, Austin Patzer was one guy that really jumped out at me. But I just remember Rocco having all day to throw in the uh, in the Peach Bowl, in the Chick-fil-A Bowl in uh, Atlanta. And, man, I mean, that – that group to do that against Auburn. And I know Corey Lemonier was out that game, but uh, that was still like, what a super, super talented group that was. Um, undoubtedly, one of the best in Virginia football history. There's no question about that. Talk to me about the 37-yard TD pass you had from Perry Jones at Miami, which was another one of my favorite wins from that 2011 season. Yeah, man. So I've caught quite a few with Perry, even dating back to high school. And, uh, you know, that was just one of those plays where we were running the toss and running the zone so well where people had to get a safety into the box for support. So after running it for, you know, two weeks, everybody's like, all right, safety has to fly down to help. And it was basically my job. It was, you know, one of the easy things I had to do was just bluff. Bluff the block, run to the safety, stalk him a little bit. Once you see him react, you react. So, you know, coming off the ball, once I seen him react and seen his eyes were down here, the safety didn't even look at me. He was just looking at Barry the whole time, which you would expect, you know, knowing that that's one of our bread and butter plays. And once I saw him, he went down, I reacted. It was all about me making, you know, the play then, but Terry had an arm. He always had an arm. So it wasn't, you know, acrobatic catch anything. He put it on the money, and, you know, that, that's what it was. Yeah, that, that Miami game was epic. Um, one of my favorite catches of yours, you had an epic catch against, uh, was it William and Mary where you trapped the ball on the back of the guy's helmet? Yeah, and it should have been a touchdown, but he called me out as one. <laughs> <laughs> Talk yeah, to me. Absolutely. Talk to me about that catch, man. That was I, that had to have been one of the best catches of your career. And I, I know you had an amazing one against uh, Southern Miss that I want to talk about too. Mm-hmm. The, the one against William and Mary, it was pretty much a tough matchup, and we had something to prove because the year before, you know, we when Mary came in, it beat us pretty good, and the guy. Uh, D.W. Webb, I was playing D.B., he's actually from the Hampton Rose as well. So the year he had against us the year before, I want to say he had at least two, three interceptions. You know, he just played out of his mind. Oh, yeah. He had, he had two pick sixes that game, bro. I was at that <laughs> game. It, it was absolutely crazy. So the following year, I'm like, man, listen, that's not happening. Ball going up. I got to have it no matter where it is. No, we, if, if we do, if he does that twice in a row, there's something wrong. So, you know, in that play, it was just one of those toss-ups. Because in practice, you know, the receiver's like, man, throw it up, just give me a chance. And that's kind of what that play was. And, you know, it was kind of me or nobody play. And actually, looking back at the picture of it, he had his arm in between. But 
you know, we practice and, and we do the right bucket, working on strong hands and strong grip all day. And once it was in my hands, it was not coming out, no matter where the ball was, you know, behind them, yeah. So I was just holding on. You know, pretty much the dead life, I was hoping that, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I broke the plane, but, you know, they called me out and it would have been a great touchdown catch, but I'll take it as a, you know, a 30-plus yard gainer. Dude, that was, that was an epic catch. You also had a crazy, I think it was a one-hander you had against some guy from Southern Miss, dude. Talk to me about that catch. I, I couldn't find the tape of that one for some reason on your draft highlight tape, but I know you had an epic catch against Southern Miss. It just jumps out in my head. So Southern Miss, we played Southern Miss, I want to say twice. We played them at Southern Miss, I want to say my freshman year, and then they came up to Charlottesville. But that was always one of those games where, like, those guys were very chippy. Uh, I want to say when they came up to Charlottesville, I have a – the ref had to tell me a couple times at 820, you know, hey, keep, keep it together. I'm like, I'm trying to, but hey, I'm matching intensity out here. So, you know, if he was going at me, I definitely, I'm right back at him, you know. So that was one of the games where, you know, I had to talk a little more than I usually do. But with the talk, you got to be able to back it up, too. So, you know, on that play, I just, I just had to make the play. You know, you never want to be, you know, one down or anything like that going against somebody else or breaking even. So that was my one up on him after that. And, you know, he shit my ass. Hey, man, good catch. I was like, okay. You know, but the whole day, man, it was just back and forth trash. So. That's funny, man. Talk to me about the uh, the diving catch that you had in the back of the end zone against VMI from David Watford. That was one of the better, better balls that David Watford threw during his career, dude. Put that one on the money, and you dove in the slid in the back of the end zone for that one. Absolutely, man. So, you know, Dave, they've always had a big arm. And, you know, running that big pose, you just got to let it ride. So all week, I'm like, man, look, if the safety not there, just thought I'd go get it. But the thing is, you know, as a receiver, and that was a rainy game, too, so it was a wet one. So the gloves and your hands and everything, you know, playing against the elements, uh, try to use your body a little bit, depending on the catch uh, radius and everything. And that was one of the ones where I was just trying to secure it. So I had to lay out just so, you know, I could have a little extra shoulder pad, a cloth in there to make sure the ball was trapped in, man. And I literally slid across the goalpost and everything. You know, but that was definitely one of those those ones where I had to make the play. You know, I've caught posts probably more than I caught anything my entire life. So I pretty much can run them, you know, in the house, outside right now, you know, any point in time, in the dark, lights off, it doesn't matter. So um, when the ball in the area, you got to get it, man. And I definitely remember that one because I want to say it was uh, one of the like clips of the week before that game. So oh yeah, it was, was like all- a, it was like an ACC must see play of the week. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, you know, one thing I've always been curious, Tim. <laughs> and I don't know if you ever had anyone ask you this, but especially for a deep ball receiver like yourself, like. Are you ever, are you, were you ever concerned like going out of the back of the end zone, like worried about hitting people? Because to me, I've always, I've always said that it's crazy the way they have so many people crowding like the end zone and stuff that they, they, that they don't have more space. You know what I mean? For the players to run through the end zone. To me, it seems like a liability nightmare. Definitely a liability for sure. <laughs> I will agree with that. 
But the one thing I would say, because I've definitely caught a, a couple, and I'm like three yards from people, you know, whether it was security or medical people or just fans in general. But um, I always looked at it as at least I have equipment. So if I run into somebody, they'll catch it worse than me. So, you know, I kind of have to worry about it too much. That's good, man. I, I'm just always, always curious about that, man. That's a random question. You know, I I heard uh, someone, it might have been Jamie Oaks Wahoo 247. He asked you about uh, playing with Sean Moore as your receivers coach. Dude, I want to I want to hear about what it was like to catch passes from one of the greatest quarterbacks in Virginia football history and for the record, if we're talking about one of the prettiest spirals I've ever seen in my life. Sean Moore is uh, right up there with Warren Moon and the best of them as far as I'm concerned. God, that guy could spin an yep. absolutely gorgeous deep ball. Absolutely, man. That, that's my guy, Coach Moore, from, you know, a person-to-person standpoint, coach-to-player, you know, an athlete. We still speak at least once or twice a month. And, um, you know, just to be able to have him as a coach, it was definitely like one of those surreal things where, like, this guy is a great, you know, he's a true legend. I get to be with him every day. And um, he used to have us over once a week, you know, we have a Thursday night dinner, you know, just all the receivers. And just to be around him and be able to pick his brain was just amazing. And uh, just being able to catch passes from him. Uh, I tried to do that a little too often to a point where I was like, hey, man, Get on the show. I'm like, Coach, I catch it from you. <laughs> it's different coming out of somebody's hand than it is coming out of the machine. I'm trying to get it as realistic as possible. But, you know, there wasn't too many drops in practice. And there was a lot of extra catches after practice, for sure. Yeah, man. Sean Moore could spin an absolutely gorgeous spiral. I mean, I, I got to go back a long time ago and, and watch the, the YouTube game of uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech and Virginia and just watching his spiral man it's just a thing of beauty like a a beautifully spun spiral is truly a work of art in on the football field and sean moore made spinning the football into a work of art no question in my mind absolutely um talk to me about um your your nfl career and your and your CFL career, Tim. I know you're with the you're with the Browns, the Seahawks, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and the Edmonton Eskimos. So, talk to me about um, your journey in the pros and, and what was that like. I want to hear you got some good stories for me. Uh, I might have a few. <laughs> might be good for you, but not for me. Nah, yeah. Uh, you know it. <laughs> Going into, you know, professional sports in general, you really don't see the uh, the whole picture. You just want to get there. You don't see the politics and the business aspect of it until you get there. You know, so once, uh, you know, the draft came, it was a hard process for me to figure out the whole agency thing, and I really didn't have any guidance. After I left UVA, um, Coach Moore got me in contact with a guy that he knew. And, um, you know, that's the guy I went with because, you know, I, I didn't know much about it. I just knew I wanted, you know, to play the next level. I had, you know, pretty decent credentials. All I needed was the opportunity. So um, after the draft, I had, a, I want to say, like four or five teams to call, and they wanted to bring me in. And at that point, as a free agent, you can kind of, uh, you know, pick where you want to go to 
the camp at. So my agent had suggested I go to Seattle. You know, he had a connection there and whatnot. But I felt like at the time, honestly, I should either went to Carolina or Minnesota, who had both called as well, and had a, a need for receiver more so than Seattle, who just came off the Super Bowl, still had Percy Harvin. And they just drafted a second-round guy and a third-round guy. So looking back at it, you know, I knowing what I know now, I would have went, you know, a different route as far as that goes. But nonetheless, it was an opportunity because a lot of people don't get it at all. So, you know, went down there, did my rookie mini camp. They didn't keep any other receivers, which was kind of already in my mind because of what they had and what they just drafted. So, you know, I still took advantage of the opportunity, man. had a great time down there. And it was great to see, um, I seen a post of Kenny Easley, and then it dawned back on me that, you know, Kenny Easley is from Austin Smith as well. And just, uh, you know, I met him. He came out game, spoke to us while I was in high school. And uh, during college, I ran into him a few times whenever I went back home. But it was great to, you know, see that foundation, everything he had laid in Seattle. And um, like I said, they didn't sign any receivers after working mini camp, so I went home. You know, I started doing like in and out jobs, and uh, was doing that, working on the side, and you know, still working out, waiting on the opportunity. And I had trained out in Arizona at uh, IFA uh, agency, which was at uh, PEP Player Enhancement Professionals out in Scottsdale, and I made a few connections out there. And uh, it was a guy that uh, that was underneath. The head agent, he was like, hey, Tim, man, I'll look out for you. If anything come across, you know, anybody need any receivers, I'll make sure I get the information out for you. I was out there for about three months with a small group of guys, and I want to say out of it, it was six of us, 12 of them got drafted, and the two of us went free agent. And, um, you know, I get a call. <laughs> it had to be a, a Wednesday, and it was from Cleveland. I'm like, all right, I was just in the kitchen making a sandwich, literally. And I got a call, Ohio, I'm like, I don't know who this is, I answered. And I was like, hey, man, you know, this one of the agents want to bring you in for a workout. Are you open to it? I'm like, absolutely. Like, who would say no, you know, to an opportunity? So I ended up having a flight out that following morning. So, I, you know, I told my parents, packed myself up. I was like, hey, I got to try out. You know, it might be a better situation for me. So I, they flew me out the next morning. I went and tried out. And actually, it was funny because there was another receiver there working out with me, and he uh, was from Richmond. So, you know, I had on my UVA stuff, he had on Richmond stuff. I was like, man, you both from Virginia. You know what I'm cool guy. I never met him before. And I knew they needed one receiver at that point because I want to say one of the guys just got injured, so they was bringing in somebody else uh, for that spot. And um, we had to work out, and I literally caught every pass. I can't think of the name of the quarterback, but he played at South Carolina, and uh, he was throwing us passes. That Probably day. Uh, Con- Connor Shaw. Yep, that's who it was, Connor Shaw. So the first six passes, everything I was doing was throwing. I'm like a technician, so, you know, I'm in and out of my parade, you know, smooth, catching the ball. And I had a comeback, a deep comeback at like 20 yards, and he threw it like way inside, and I'm going towards the sideline. He kind of threw it towards the number. I really don't know how I caught it, but I reached back and snagged it, popped up, you know, kept running. And after that, I was like, yep, that's all you need to see. So I'm like, well, I hope that's still still funny because, you know, at that point you still don't know. And um, 
it was four of us there. It was a tight end, us two receivers, and I want to say it was another defensive guy, so I didn't really interact with him. But on the walk back through the facility, they took us upstairs to, like, the main part, and um, they were like, you guys sit here. We're taking to the medical people. Blah, blah, blah. But when I looked around, there was just three of us left. It was me, the tight end, and the other defensive guys. So I'm like, dang, well, now I kind of wonder where the other receiver went. And at that point, it was, they kind of already selected, you know, who they were going to sign as long as everything checked out. So, um, you know, everything checked out medically. We came back. I signed that day and uh, got my equipment probably 30 minutes after I signed. And, um, took me to the hotel, gave me the playbook, and was like, well, we got practice tomorrow. So I'm looking at this three-ring binder, you know, probably about five inches and just play. You know, I'm already at that point, I want to say, a week behind into camp. And the following week was their first preseason game versus Detroit. I'm like, man, I got a lot of ground to make up. (laughs) You know, I'm like – you know, do I sleep? Do I just study plays all night? You still have full days. And even though it was a quick adjustment, but, you know, I definitely took advantage of the opportunity. I didn't lose any one-on-one while I was there. I didn't get a lot of reps in the preseason game just because I got there so late. I really was only – I was there for three. So that was uh, Detroit. Uh, the Rams that came, I had seen Rodney uh, McLeod when we played the Rams. And then we came to D.C. and played Washington. So, you know, I seen him more in that last preseason game. But it was still kind of behind the eight ball with your Nate Burleson. Uh, they had Miles Austin at the time. They also had uh, Taylor Gabriel. They still had Josh Gordon. So they were stacked as well. You know, so I was just trying to find my niche. But, you know, being behind the eight ball, even in the return game, I'm like the eighth returner. You know, I just, I'm just now getting there. Everybody's been there, you know, for at least a month and a half at this point. So, you know, playing behind the eight ball, you know, I understood. But I took advantage of every opportunity I had, tried to make as many, you know, connections I had. The assistant receiver coach, uh, he helped me out a lot with the playbook because, of course, you know, you just get in there and you have a practice the next day. It's like, Coach, I have no, you know, no mean before, no nothing. We just go to the fire. So took advantage of that opportunity and I ended up getting released after uh, – after the St. Louis game, I want to say, at the last cut. And, um, you know, after that, it was just like a, just a, a humbling feeling and just interesting to see how everything works out. Um, my mom, she, my dad's a pastor, so my mom was always like, hey, everything's going to be all right. I'm like, my Lord, I'm about 12 receiver on the roster. <laughs> mom, I don't so want to like, hear it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Ma, I understand you trying to be positive, but I'm going to be realistic. I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity I have. If I make the team, I make it. But this is, yes, a better situation than in Seattle, but at the same time, you can kind of feel why you're going through the vibe you're getting. Like, it was a couple of days. Uh, the head coach actually, he had ties to UVA. I can't even think of his name right now. He pulled me to the side one practice and we were talking about UVA and everything like that. So I was doing great things, but it was like, you know, still they had money and all this stuff tied into these other guys. So, you know, it's hard when you're dealing with cutting the roster down, but you got a guy that just got here 
and he still hasn't had the opportunity to really show himself, you know. So I took advantage of all that, and I found myself back home again in September. And at that point, I'm like, all right, well, you know, I don't want to walk away from the game just yet because I've had my opportunity, so what should I do? You know, so thought about it, prayed about it, and um, I always worked out back at Oscar Smith. Always went back to try to, you know, speak to the youth, and they always looked up to me. So, you know, I was always just trying to be around. So, you know, that's where I'm from. I'm trying to impact the community and help out, you know, best way possible. So, my high school coach was like, hey, Tim, you can just, you know, come volunteer, give yourself something to do, stay around the game, come work out, and then come to practice, you know, get my guys right, and, you know, we'll kind of go from there until you figure out what you want to do. So I was like, all right, fine. So, you know, I started at Oscar Smith, started volunteering, and uh, I was there every day, you know, to work out and go to practice. So, you know, I'm working out with those receivers and everything and still, you know, catching routes, lifting. So doing my own thing at the same time. And around January, February, you know, when the CFL tryouts start. So, you know, somebody had already mentioned that, like, man, look, you got the speed. They have this little uh, running start, man. Like, nobody can be able to catch you if you go and, you know, and perfect that. So I started doing that in my workout, implementing, you know, the waggle and doing all these different moves and everything. And I had, uh, a, I went to a trial in the University of Richmond, and those were uh, Calgary. So I went there. I blazed the 40, man. I had 4-3. And they literally, as soon as it was over and I got in the call, they called me like, hey, man. He wants you to come to Calgary, whatever, whatever. I was like, right, cool, you know, we'll see. So, you know, I still was stuck on trying to get to the NFL. So when I did have a chance to reach back out to them, they had already found another player from the States because, you know, in Canada, you only have a certain amount of Americans on the team. So they was already, like, at their limit. So I'm like, all right, I missed out on an opportunity. Let me see, you know, where another one is. And they had a it was another team, Hamilton. They had a tryout in Atlanta. And uh, I went to Atlanta, flew in. And the next day, uh, it wasn't as packed as the Calgary tryout. So the Calgary tryout was probably 100 receivers, not kidding. So, you know, when you're doing the one-on-one routes on air, it's like, all right, you might you maybe get two or three reps. Three reps, if you, like, sit in the line, you just don't care. Right. You know, <laughs> but... Um, I went there and I'm looking around. I'm like, all right, well, you know, we end up being 30 receivers. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, we do, you know, two on each side of sliding the outside guy. And that just bumps it down to like six guys in a lot. Five, six guys. So I'm like, all right, cool. You know, getting a lot of reps. And that workout literally at the end, I almost threw up. Like I was getting so many reps. Like I'm looking back trying to let somebody else get reps in front of me because, you know, they wanted to see me run, so they would put me in these different spots. I forgot what number I had because, you know, they give you uh, the little numbers to put in your shirt. So I was like, hey, man, come come get in a spot. Let me see you do this. Let me see you do that. Mm. And uh, actually, let me backtrack real quick. So fun fact, when, when I went to this uh, trial, I'm looking, and I noticed one of the quarterbacks that was with Hamilton and I'm like, man, that dude looks familiar. So at the beginning, they they gave us like a little breakdown. Like, oh, we got one of our quarterbacks on our team now out here, and he's going to do some of the throwing because he just came on the team. So we want to see him, you know, kind of work out as well. And that was Jacoy Harris. So I'm I was like, man, you probably don't know me. You know my number, but I played at 
UVA, man. And he was like, 20? And I was like, yeah, that was me, you know. And we had made a connection before the trial even started. So he was like, man, look, when I go, if you're not in the line, I'm going to call you out. And, you know, and that was my first time, like, actually seeing them outside of, you know, us playing against them. But um, he was just throwing me down all day. And I was just killing it, catching everything. And um, they had ended up signing me, I want to say, the ne- within the next two days. And then I flew, went out, flew out to Canada, and we had a rookie mini camp. Same as the NFL, they do the same thing. I want to say we was out there for about three or four days, you know, just rookies practicing. And uh, they were trying to see who they were going to keep, who they were going to cut. So they ended up keeping me and then uh, went back home. Then we had to come back probably a month later for uh, like training camp and everything. And all that went well with another return game. But same issue you were running through there, you know, kind of deep in the return game, which would have set me apart from a few guys. And, you know, they had Speedy Banks, Brandon Banks, who played with Washington, who has Will. It was me, uh, Terrell Tinkfield, who was another – all of us running like four three, pretty much. And it was four returners and we were all just stacked. I think the first three season game I went in, I had three kickoff returns for like two hundred and fifty yards. Like it was just you know, but that was just okay because technically we all could do the same thing. You know, just just right. different timing. But um I made it to the practice squad and um dealing with, you know, the Americans versus the Canadians, the Hamid Gavin Rock, the Hamid play at the time, you know, ran into that issue. But uh, I was on the practice squad, man, I enjoyed it out in Canada. Uh the the C D A is is player friendly. So, you know, we can only have I wanna say at that time, it was either like four to six hours of the work week. So we'll go in with me two hours practice, two hours and be done. So I'm like, yeah, this is totally different. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm used to all day being in the end, you know, doing this, doing that. Because when I was in Cleveland, we were literally there from 7 to maybe 9 or 10 at night. Right. So I'm like, man, you tell me I got four hours now the rest of my day. And that's when I started having to make a day. So, you know, I had to wake up early in the morning to go lift before we had me in. And then I'll lift again after and kind of, you know, stretch the day out and make sure I got the most out of it. And, uh, you know, I definitely enjoyed it, man. And uh, after that, I got released late, almost near the end of the season. And the following year, uh, I went to try out for another team, Edmonton Eskimos, and did well with them. Same thing. Uh, thought I was going to make time right after. And went for rookie mini camp, stayed on, brought me back to training camp, and going into uh, the second. Well, you only have two preseason games in Canada, so actually the week before the first preseason game, you know, it, it's veteran heavy in Canada, so a lot of those guys stick around for a while. And um, it was one of our main receivers, and he was there for. Uh, I want to say at least like six or seven years. I can't think of his name right now. And there was a situation in practice, man, where I feel like I kind of got myself cut or kind of put myself on the chopping block because we were doing like a, a special teams drill. And if you messed this drill up, you were going to run into the person that you were doing the drill with, the two-person drill. So it was me and him. You know, I don't. it doesn't matter who I go with. I go with the rookie. I go with the bad. It doesn't matter. I know I'm going to do my part. Right. So we went in the drill and we ended up running dead on into each other. 
Right. And, you know, the fact, you know, they had a little difference. They're like, come on, man, you know, Green out here trying to get hurt, rookie, blah, 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 you know. <laughs> so, so I'm like, all right, man, like, I understand that, but that's not, and this is us talking after our rep. So, you know, we going back and forth. He was like, hey, man, you doing this, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's just going off. And I'm like, first of all, that's not how the drillers ran. <laughs> I was in a subject team's meeting that morning that he was not in. So I know what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, so I I was explaining that to him. He was like, no, he's like, he's demonstrating, like, making a big scene. And I'm like, yeah, that's not it. You know, I'm, just, I'm not going to just say you're right if you're wrong, like, you're wrong. You know, so like I said, this whole thing goes on literally for like five minutes to a point where they blow it up or whatever, and we just stop the drill. So I'm like, dang, I, I know I ain't called the drill stop, you know, just because of, of that little conversation. Right. So then, uh, we go to, I want to say receiver Indy right after. So my coach bought us up, uh, the receiver coach, and um, he was kind of helping with the special team drill too. So he was around and seeing me and I can't think of saying that seeing me and his interaction. And before we started our ending, he was like, Hey man, you rookies, you guys just need to shut up, listen to the best. Like, I don't want to see guys go back and forth, blah, 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 making a whole deal. So I'm like, all right, I ain't say nothing. Cause I knew I was right. When I'm right, I'm right. right. You know? So we get, we get in the substitutes, me and, and at this point I'm like, I don't put a target on my back. They probably looking at everything I do now. And just marking it off, like, yep, you need to be the one to go next or whatever. So we get into the special teams, me and Izzy, that night or the following morning. And he was like, well, guys, we was running this drill wrong. And the rep that they pulled up was me and his rep. So they pulled up the rep and was like, Smith, you were right. He was wrong. And he literally looked back and was like, you know, like, my bad, man. But, you know, it was a distance because all the bets are set in the front. So I was like in the sixth row. I'm like, yeah, that's cool now, but I probably just got cut because you were wrong and you were yelling at me because I was right. Yeah, you know, so, that stinks, man. You know, and, and that's just the way it goes. You know, the vet, they'll have more pool, more say so. So, you know, everybody listening to them, whatever the case is. So, long story short, I'm getting injured the next week at the preseason game. We went to Calgary, Calgary, and um, I caught a punt return, and I shouldn't have caught it because it was <laughs> – it was behind the 10 yard line, and that's like the punt return rules. But at this point of the game, I was just trying to, you know, make a play. And at the same time, you know, when you're in preseason, that's your time to shine. So I'm like, man, if I just get this one punt return all game, I'm trying to make the most of it. It's so, now or never. It's now or never, you know. So, yeah, you can abide by the rules, but now you might not get a rep again. So I ended up going back to like the six to catch this punt. And at that point, after I caught it, nobody was watching. So I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> that kind of backfired. And, you know, I made one guy miss. I took a shot on my back. And uh, it bruised up pretty bad. It was like a muscle bone contusion. I really couldn't even walk. I couldn't sleep for like two days. And uh, pretty much in training camp, man, if you get injured, you're getting sent home, you know. So <laughs> I knew what it was at that point. I ended up getting released. And after that, I was just pretty much, you know, always already working with autism how to, you know, working with the receivers volunteering before then anyway. So I was like, man, well, maybe that's the time because, you know, I, I can't keep getting banged up like this and keep putting life on hold for me to chase this dream when I've had the opportunity to, you know, put on an NFL jersey. I had 
a lot of opportunities a lot of people haven't had or probably won't have, you know, in a lifetime. So, you know, I took it for what it was and I just went straight on in the coaching, man, wholeheartedly. And um, that was like my professional experience, man. It was some ups and downs, man, but, you know, some good moments, but it was moments like, you know, like in Canada, and I'm like, man, I, I put a target on my back for something I, was, I knew I was correct about. But, you know, that is, that is the way it goes sometimes. That's a that's a funny story, Tim. You know, I, looking at your Instagram page, I was really excited to see that you roomed with Tequan Underwood up in Canada. He had over he had eleven hundred receiving yards his junior year at Rutgers. I absolutely loved watching Tequan Underwood play college football. Talk to me about. Uh, rooming with Tequan Underwood, dude. Oh, man. So that was when I was in Hamilton. So, like I said, when they brought the rookies in, that was his first year in the CFL as well. So, technically, he was a rookie, even though he played in the league for, what, six, seven years. So, um, I got to the room actually before he did, and they had, like, little playbooks and, um, like, per deal money and envelopes on our beds. So, I was like, all right, you know, I had to walk by his bed to get to mine. So, I peeked over to see who I was rooming with, and it was, like, T. Underwood. I'm like... Uh, that name sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, he was good, man. So, you know, he walked into the room with his hot top, and I'm like, yeah, I know exactly who this is. You know, so introduced myself to him or whatever, and cool guy, man, and we just took off from there friendship-wise, man, and we were in there studying together, and we got real tight to a point where uh, – Two weeks in the training camp, my roommate got cut. So Ty, he was like, bro, I'm about to room with you. I was like, man, come on. So we like moved all this stuff and we roomed together again uh, for the rest of training camp. And uh, cool guy, man. That's my dog. We talked probably once, twice a week, you know, up until this point. And um, we was, <laughs> it was funny because he called me roommate because he didn't know my name when he first came in. So I was, <laughs> hey, I was hey, you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like roommate for like three months and it was funny because like the next day in practice I want to say we were doing something he was like hey roommate and I was looking I was like yeah you know and that's his way that's just what he always called me like hey roommate and that's what it was you know whether you're walking down the hall uh about to go because you know the food was okay during camp so we used to always go to this little Wendy's around the corner and um, he used to walk down the hall, like, yo, roommate, about to go to Wendy's. I'm like, all right, brother. <laughs> and, and we always rolling, man. And uh, once training camp was over with, we had to find our own uh, spot or whatnot in Canada. So we found our spot, and it was me, him, and McCoy Harris living together, one of the other receivers. Man, so we had, you know, a great house, man. And, you know, that, that's my guy. And once he made his transition into coaching, it was one of those things where, you know, we were just talking. I was like, man, look, you know a lot of people. A lot of people know you. You was a heck of a receiver. So, you know, if you want to, he, he's a very personal person and likes helping people. So it's like, let's go ahead, help the youth, man, jump into it, and we can kind of go from there. And um, he talked to a few people, and I tried to help him out, put him in contact with some people, and he landed at Lafayette. And um, the picture that you've seen was they came and played Delaware. That was two years ago, I want to say, or three seasons ago. They came and played Delaware, which is only probably like 30 minutes from the school that I was coaching at. So I went to the game, went seen them, 
you know, in action and everything. And, um, yeah, man, we still tight to this day. I actually went up to Rutgers uh, last month to, uh, you know, go check on him. He just had his uh, third daughter. So, you know, with the CR, man, and that's my dog. Man. Yeah, dude, I absolutely loved watching him play. I mean, that that Rutgers team had Tequan Underwood, Kenny Britt. They both went over 1,000 receiving yards that year, and they had a man, the man, the myth, the legend, Ray Rice. God, I mean, what a team, man. And Mike Teal. Mike Teal was pretty underrated, too, man. I, I really loved Watching those Rutgers teams play, man. I, I'm a college football junkie, so when when I saw like you were hanging around T. Quan under, I'm like, man, I got to hear about this guy. Like, God, yeah. he was he made some absolutely spectacular <laughs> catches during his days at Rutgers. Absolutely, man. Told me a living legend. Now he's back. You know, he's back at home because he was with the Dolphins uh, last season. So you know, he had to. Uh, the opportunity to come back home and I'm like man that's you Rutgers is you you know so you grew up back home that's that's, that's easy you know so I'm glad to see him you know still doing well man and, and taking it from there let's uh flash back to the flashback to the state title game Tim when you had six catches for 224 yards and four TDs in the state title game, was was that a game for you that really stood out as a game of flow for you and being in the zone? Yeah, it, it was definitely a flow game because a lot of people don't know. I actually scored five, but my last one got called back. <laughs> so, you know, that fifth one actually would have put me over. I would have been the number one person to have uh, five touchdowns in Virginia history in the state championship game, but instead, it ended up tying me with Percy Harvest for like four. So, you know, I was kind of talking about the after the fact. I didn't know. I didn't think about stats, anything like that. You know, in high school, during the moment, but looking back at it, it should have been five. But, uh, <laughs> but that game, uh, you know, it was one of those things where we had, we had a, a purpose for that game that entire season, you know, losing a teammate the season before who's supposed to win the Virginia State who was a close friend of ours, me and Perry, and everybody else on the team as well. And um, we were pretty much on a mission all season. Like, it, it wasn't no talk. It wasn't no back and forth. We literally showed up, and we grind every single day. Um, you got to shout out my head coach, Coach Morgan. We had weightlifting as a class. So, man, we used to live for game days. We used to, you know, be on a whole different level than a lot of other people. So, you know, when it was time to line up on Friday, we had already played the game at least two or three times that we, you know, script between scrimmages, going one versus ones, and, you know, being and putting us in different situations throughout the week. You know, pretty much it was set. So, you know, now it was just a matter of playing the game. And Osborne was like that Cinderella team that year that I want to say – Either came in at like six and four or like at seven or eight seed and literally just swept all the high seeds to get to the state championship game. So, you know, there were a sneaky team that was hot at that point. But, you know, going into the game at that point, I laughing jokes with, uh, with Rio Walker because <laughs> the two days before that, we played Cecil and they had Rio checking me and I scored four touchdowns on Rio. You know, so I, <laughs> With him coming to UVA, you know, we always joke about that all the time. 
but there were quite some times where the game before that we played Oakland and they had somebody pressing me. They had a linebacker shaded over me and a safety. So I'm like, all right, well, I can see, you know, these different game plans are really, he was either going to try to stop me or try to stop there. You couldn't do both. It was one or the other, you know. So in that game, they were just trying to stop me. So we ended up coming out of that game, uh, I want to say 10 to 7. That was a dog fight for sure. And, um, you know, going to the state championship game, it was interesting to see what their game plan was. So coming out, they literally played man coverage. So I'm looking at my coach. He's looking at me, and I'm like, Coach, he's not checking me. <laughs> he's not checking me, Coach. So, you know, uh, my coach, he was just a, a football first guy. I want to say my first touchdown actually was me in the slot at the top. And we brought Perry out to an empty set just to see what they were going to do. And they moved the corner with Perry. So now I'm like, now you match me up with a linebacker safety? That's not happening. So that was the first one. And then from then on, it was just literally man covered. And a lot of people probably watched us play a lot, but they didn't dissect the film. And then sometimes I was literally the only receiver going out on the route. So it's like, if it was either him throwing it to me or, or nothing. So I'm like, if I'm looking at it on the back end in certain situations, I'm either doubling him, giving him some type of help, pressing, holding. I'll take the penalty over touchdown, something. But, you know, they just played true to their coverage and what they, you know, did all season. And, you know, it just didn't work out for them. But, you know. Playing that man coverage, man, I was just running by guys. I think uh, I knew I was in the zone because the third touchdown I had, I want to say, uh, the ball was tipped. The guy, he actually tipped it, but he tipped it right to me. So I'm like, all right, yep. Hey, <laughs> once it started falling the play like that, you know, it is destined. So, you know, I was always a, a team first guy, too. So honestly, a lot of us guys that, uh, that were started, we wanted to see the young guys play. So pretty much every week we used to try to kill everybody in the first half, unbuckle our pads, and you know watch everybody else play. At that point, so you know, <laughs> game, I'm serious, and it happened that game too. Like I, we, I played the the first series, I want to say, in the third quarter, and that was it. Like, I scored four touchdowns, really five, in uh in what two quarters and the drop. That was it. So that that was definitely a flow game. It could have got a lot worse, and that's like one of the arguments whenever I go back home and we start talking about, you know, ball, it was eight, or even with my players, hey, Coach Tim, well, you know, this dude had more touchdowns than you or more yards or whatever, because I coached that same year uh, after going to Cleveland. I coached two receivers that actually, both of them broke my, my catch record at the school because I had 73 catches, I want to say. One ended with like 80, the other ended with like 100. Like, I was on them guys, and, you know, we were rolling. But, you know, I tell them that it's different when you don't play the whole second half and them guys are playing full games. Like, that four touchdowns could have been 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was definitely a slow game. And we were playing at Virginia Tech, and I was never really a fan of Virginia Tech. So I had to kind of make a statement there, too. That's, that's <laughs> funny, man.
listening to the Flow Theory Podcast. You can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and tune in.